0: Listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. We are back at the Exeter Inn in Exeter, New Hampshire, and with me again is my frequent co host, Cindy Johnson. Cindy is operations manager of Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses, and she also works right here at the Exeter Inn. Hey, Cindy, I was just looking at some reviews of the Exeter Inn on TripAdvisor, and people certainly say some glowing things about you. One of the reviews said, Cindy at the front was outstanding. Or maybe it was, Cindy was standing out at the front desk.
1: (laughs) Uh, I think it was both. (laughs) In all seriousness, thank you for saying so. And I find that whether I'm at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse greeting visitors to go on tours during our Sunday open houses or other special events, or I'm just checking in guests at the Exeter Inn, I love what I do. They're very, they're very similar in that uh, we're welcoming visitors and tourists, and, and I do really enjoy that.
0: Well, it shows. Thank you. <laughs> so on today's edition of Lighthearted, we're going to talk about a lighthouse not too far to the south of us, Baker's Island uh, in Salem, Massachusetts, and we're also going to discuss a 1959 movie that I personally think is one of the classic lighthouse movies of all time. <laughs> I use the word classic loosely, but uh, the movie is The Monster of Piedras Blancas. We're going to start with Baker's Island Light Station, which is owned by the Essex National Heritage Commission, also known simply as Essex Heritage. Cindy, could you please help me tell our listeners about Essex Heritage and our guest?
1: Sure, Jeremy. Established in 1997, Essex Heritage is a nonprofit organization created to oversee the Essex National Heritage Area, which is composed of all of Essex County, Massachusetts. Essex Heritage promotes the cultural heritage of Essex County with public and private partnerships and with the National Park Service by developing programs that enhance, preserve, and encourage awareness of the area's unique historic, cultural, and natural resources.
0: One of the properties under the auspices of Essex Heritage is the Baker's Island Light Station in Salem. Baker's Island is a 60-acre island, the rest of which is in private ownership. The light station, which dates to 1798, was deeded to Essex Heritage through the National Historic Lighthouse Preservation Act in August 2014. The station consists of an 1820 lighthouse tower, two keepers' houses, and outbuildings. Through Essex Heritage, tours of the Historic Light Station are available, and also overnight stays. I met with Annie C. Harris, Director of Essex Heritage at the Essex Heritage offices in Salem, and we spoke about the tours and other programs at Baker's Island Light Station. Let's go now to my interview with Annie C. Harris. With me today to discuss the programs related to Bakers Island Light Station is Annie C. Harris, Chief Executive Officer of Essex Heritage. Thanks so much for spending time with us today, Annie. Bakers Island is among the oldest light stations in the country, Annie, and for quite a few years there were two lighthouses there. Uh, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the history of Baker's Island Light Station? Sure, I'd
2: be happy to. Um, the first recorded uh, notation about Baker's Island was John Winthrop in his diary in 1630. So uh, there's been a lot known about the island for many, many years. It stands at the mouth of Salem Harbor, and uh, in the uh, 17 and 1800s, Salem was a very important harbor, and in fact, right after the American Revolution, there were just a lot of international trade that occurred out of Salem Harbor. Uh, Baker's Island not only sort of guards the the entrance to the harbor, but it also surrounded by a lot of rocks and ledges and kind of dangerous um, underwater hazards. And so in 1791, the Salem Marine Society petitioned to be uh, able to build a, a tower out there to try to uh, guide ships uh, better into Salem Harbor. And so they did build a day marker out of wood in 1791. It wasn't all that successful, though, because it was just a day marker. So in 1798, um... George Washington actually approved an appropriations to build a lighthouse, and it was a twin light house. It was um, The house was a single house with two lights on either end of the gables, mm-hmm. and we only have one a drawing of that uh, from a map that Nathaniel Bowditch did. Uh, that lighthouse and those lights got destroyed in a storm, and in 1816, a single light was uh, built, And then quite soon after that, in um, 1820, a second taller light was built, and they became nicknamed uh, Ma and Pa, but Mm -hmm. the smaller and the bigger one. And the smaller lighthouse was uh, taken down in uh, 1926, and so that's why we only have Pa that's left out Mm -hmm. there.
0: I know there's a lot more history you could tell us about. Uh, It's a very, very historic, uh, rich in history uh, station, uh, but thank you for that capsule history. So what do you see as the mission of Essex Heritage with uh, the Baker's Island Light Station?
2: Well, when the property was turned over to us, it was turned over with the stipulation that we would take care of the property. It's very stark, as you said, uh, and then we would preserve and enhance the buildings and the lighthouse. But also, it was very important that we open it up to the public, uh, for the public's enjoyment, and also for education. So we're very focused on uh, trying to get the public uh, out to the property. We don't have a dock, so it is um, a unique way. We have to land on the beach. It's a stone beach. You've been out there, so you know. Mm-hmm. And we have a landing craft that can carry 18 passengers out there.
0: Oh, the landing craft is perfect. I've, yeah, I've done it a few times. It's very enjoyable. It's a maybe a, a slightly strenuous but not so bad i think it's a lot of fun and it's just a, a great thing that you've been able to to, to uh, start these these tours for the public there it's just a wonderful thing so uh maybe you could tell us a little bit about what uh Essex Heritage has accomplished since taking ownership as far as preservation projects
2: Uh sure so the the priority project was the lighthouse itself and uh It had been rebuilt in uh, 1996, but by the time we got the property, it was in pretty rough shape. Uh, Its exterior was in very rough shape. And so we were able to raise money and restore the stucco exterior, really do a lot of patching. It also had a lot of mold and lichen on it and really clean it up and repair the rust and repaint the lantern house. So it's very nice now, and I hope it'll last a few more years, but it is a very rough climate out there. Mm -hmm. We've also had to do a lot of work on the two keepers' houses. Uh, we put new roofs on them, and we've done a lot of interior improvements, and we're still working on them. You know, windows, eaves, roofs. Uh, siding there's a lot to do <laughs>
0: yeah and it's never finished that's never the thing finished. about lighthouse preservation it's absolutely well never. you
2: know it's a ver- they're very harsh environments these yes. lighthouses are in a lot of winter storms and uh, salt water so they are challenging to take care of
0: absolutely are there any more specific projects planned at this point
2: well, the big project for this summer is to uh, install a better s- solar power system. We have a pretty minimal system, it's, uh, and as we open the island up and get more people out there, particularly overnights, we need a stronger solar power system. So we're working on that. I hope to get that installed this summer. And then we are looking at other ways to um, have people stay overnight there. So in, eventually it would be nice to build some other small outbuildings, but we don't have that in the works just yet.
0: Uh, by the way, uh, I'm a local guy. and you know, I grew up in Lynn, right next to Salem, just uh, down the road from here. And I, uh, I kind of grew up uh, going to Salem Willows, which is not, not too far from here, park uh, in Salem. And I was uh, uh, very aware of Baker's Island as a place That was kind of a a private community, uh, kind of admired uh, the island and the lighthouse from afar, uh, you know, growing up. And I really think the fact you've been able to establish these public tours of the light station is a great thing for local people and for visitors to the area. Have other local people expressed uh, this kind of thing to you, that it's just such a wonderful thing to be able to visit the light station?
2: Yes, people are very pleased to be able to go out there. You know, if you look at the old records, uh, people used to visit out the lighthouse. They used right. to go out for picnics, but for about the last seventy, eighty years, it was pretty closed to the public. And so, the fact that it, people can get out there and get, actually get on the on the island itself is very exciting. So we've had a lot of people that are just thrilled to be able to do that. People like you that have seen the lighthouse on the shore or that have gone out on the water and been boating for years and haven't been able to stop. So people are very pleased.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, on behalf of uh, other North, North Shore people, I thank you for, for doing this. Could you tell our listeners, you described a little bit already, but if you could tell listeners a little bit more about how the tours work, where they leave from, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, sure. So we... Do uh, regular tours on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays in the summertime. We start about mid June and we go through Labor Day. Um, The tours leave from the Salem, next to the Salem Ferry Dock, Blaney Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a commercial wharf there and our boat leaves there. Takes about 25 minutes to get out to the island and we do a little bit of tour as we go out, go along the Gold Coast of Beverly and then past Misery Island over to Baker's. Uh, we pull up to the beach the bow of the boat lets down and people have to climb off the front of the boat on a calm day that's pretty easy on a rough day it's not so easy. it's a little more exciting. Uh, so people do need to be able to be pretty able on their feet um, be able to uh, walk and pretty surely and then you climb up a rocky beach and uh, then we spend about uh, half an hour doing a tour of the uh, lighthouse property. And then people are free to wander around for the next hour. We have some trails. We have some great views, some things you can do out there. Uh, and then we bring people back. And that's, so that's the basic tour. We also take people out for overnights. We do rent the assistant keeper's house. And so people can come out and, and spend an, essentially 24 hours out there.
0: And uh, how do people sign up for the tours?
2: So they can uh, go online online. Uh, Baker's Island or through Essex Heritage's website. We also sell tickets at the National Park Service's Visitor Center in Salem.
0: Obviously, if people Google Baker's Island Lighthouse Tours, they'll find it very easily. Yeah,
2: it pops up pretty easily.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you mentioned the overnight accommodations. Maybe you could expand on, on that a little bit about how that works. Sure,
2: they're, they're kind of basic, uh, but mm-hmm. we uh, the house will hold up to six people, so people can sign up for four to six people, and we have a pretty good waiting list now, so if someone wants to spend overnight, it's really important they sign up early. The, uh, the system is a solar power system, so you're off the grid. Uh, you can charge your cell phone and we do have Wi-Fi out there, but you can't really watch television. Uh, most people don't want to do that. The experience is kind of going back to how it used to be and having fun in, in, um, in a special island. You're very close to everything and yet you aren't. So you're, it's a very different environment. and It's really like going back in time 50, 75 years mm-hmm. uh, without all the television and the noise and everything else. So we have a lot of families that have really enjoyed doing it.
0: Yeah. You have occasional special events uh, as well, special tours, and I happen to know a little bit personally about that. I have been involved in some of those. Maybe you'd like to say a little bit
2: we about do, that. We do, we do. So we you know, we have this boat, we take it out, we do the Lighthouse Lovers Tour that you do, and it's a very popular tour. We've also done uh, wild edibles. We have a gentleman that's uh, has in- introduced some more native species out on the island, and we'll take people out and talk to them about the native plants and also what's edible. We have uh, bird watching tours, we've had uh, shipwreck tours, Um, lots of different things. And again, people can find that on the Essex Heritage website or by googling Baker's Island.
0: When we do the Lighthouse Lovers tour, which I've I've done a couple of those uh, a year, and I hope we'll be able to do a couple this year, We go close to the other lighthouses in the area, Derby Wharf Light in Salem, Fort Pickering Light, and and, uh, Marblehead Light, Hospital Point Lighthouse in Beverly as well. Uh, And I give people some historical background on those lighthouses and I help with the uh, the tour on Baker's Island as well. On,
2: on the yeah, so on that on your tour, people see five lighthouses and mm-hmm. can get very close. One of the nice things about our boat is it's very stable, so you can get right up close to, for example, Hospital Point and take great pictures yeah. Yeah, while you're telling really, about the history,
0: so it's very nice. Yeah, we get really nice views of those other lighthouses. So people, again, can check out uh, the, uh, the website for uh, the schedule of those tours as well. So looking forward to it. So anything else you'd like to say about to, to listeners about uh, Baker's Island in, in general? Anything you'd like to add?
2: Oh, I don't know. We we just really enjoyed the project. We work with a lot of sites and historic resources all around Essex County. This is actually the only one that we own. Uh, it's a great experience for us and gives us a lot of sympathy for people that have old buildings and all that goes into taking care of these old buildings. But it's also lots of fun to uh, both to get people out to the property and share it with them, but also to learn and do more history in into the property and we're developing uh, programs for kids based on the history but also the nature out there. So we, we're having a lot of fun with it.
0: Well that's great. Well Annie C. Harris of Essex Heritage, thank you so much for taking time with us today and talking about Bakers Island Life Station. Thanks so much.
2: Well thank you for the opportunity and I hope a lot of people will come visit us.
1: It's time for our Lighthouse History segment. Last time we told you about Henry Stanley, the first man to build a lighthouse on the dangerous Eddystone rocks in the open ocean 13 miles southwest of Plymouth, England. Stanley died along with his creation in the great storm of November 1703.
0: The next tower at Eddystone was designed by John Rudyard, a London silk merchant. Rudyard was commissioned by Captain John Lovett, who held the lease on the Eddystone rocks to build the lighthouse. Lovett died just a few years later and it's believed that he had financial problems due to the high cost of the construction of the lighthouse.
1: Rudyard's tower built in 1709 was a conical wooden structure around a core of brick and concrete. In spite of the fact that Rudyard had no background as a builder or architect, his tower proved much more durable than its predecessor, and it was, in fact, the first successful offshore wave-swept or rock lighthouse in the world. It stood for 47 years.
0: During the night of December 2nd, 1755, a fire was ignited in the lantern, possibly from a spark from one of the candles that provided the lighthouse's illumination. Henry Hall, the 94-year-old keeper, rushed into the lantern and tried to extinguish the fire with buckets of water. At one point, looking up, he was showered with molten lead that fell from the ceiling of the lantern. The lead burned his head, neck, and shoulders, and some of it went into his mouth.
1: Hall screamed, My God, I'm on fire inside, as the lead went down his throat. He and the other keepers continued to fight the fire, but their efforts were in vain. A boat arrived after the fire had raged for eight hours and the keepers were rescued. The fire burned for five days until the lighthouse was completely destroyed. Keeper Henry Hall lived for another 12 days. After he died, a flat, oval piece of lead was found in his stomach. The piece of lead, weighing more than seven ounces, is in the National Museum of Scotland in Edinburgh.
0: The next tower at Eddystone marked a major leap forward in the design of wave-swept lighthouses. The third lighthouse was designed for the first time by an actual engineer. The man chosen for the job was John Smeaton, an English civil engineer responsible for the design of bridges, canals, harbors, and lighthouses. He was also a mechanical engineer and a prominent physicist, and is often regarded as the father of civil engineering.
1: Smeaton's Tower, built between 1756 and 1759, was the world's first to be constructed of granite blocks that were connected to each other with dovetail joints. Dovetailing was a method used often in carpentry, but not in masonry. Each stone in Smeaton's tower was joined to its horizontal neighbors using tabs and notches. In addition, Smeaton cited the strength of the oak tree, which is widest at the bottom. He mimicked nature in the design for his tower at Eddystone, making the lighthouse wider at the bottom, tapering toward the top. The tree-like shape and dovetailed granite blocks of Smeaton's lighthouse were adopted as standard elements in wave-swept towers everywhere. The
0: 1759 lighthouse at Eddystone served for more than a century and it would have lasted longer if the rock beneath it had not been undermined. It was dismantled and moved to shore, and it remains a tourist attraction on dry land in Plymouth, England. On the next edition of Lighthearted, we'll finish the saga of Eddystone Lighthouse by telling you about the present structure, which has been in service since 1882. And now, it's movie time! Famous Monsters of Hollywood Magazine names it Shock Award winner The Monster of Piedras Blancas The Monster of Piedras Blancas The world's most shocking monster Stalks its unsuspecting prey Feasts its eyes on the next victim to writhe in its slimy arms The screen's most nightmarish beast A claw-fingered, scaly-skinned, half-human crustacean, turning a lonely lighthouse village into a frenzied bedlam of blood-curdling horror. Never have you known such cringing terror. For connoisseurs of low-budget horror flicks, the 1959 movie The Monster of Piedras Blancas occupies a special niche. It is possibly the only monster movie ever made that takes place largely at a lighthouse, with a keeper and his daughter as central characters. Although the lighthouse in the movie is purportedly the one at Piedras Blancas, the shooting was actually done at California's Point Conception light station. Director Irvin Berwick later told Film Facts magazine, We found this one lighthouse at Point Conception with rocky shores and a perfect look, very photogenic. The lighthouse at Piedras Blancas was not so attractive as its lantern had been removed a few years earlier.
1: The monster was the creation of producer Jack Kevin, who also designed the famous Creature from the Black Lagoon. Director Irvin Berwick was another Hollywood veteran who had worked with director Jack Arnold on such movies as It Came from Outer Space and Tarantula. The Piedras Blancas Monster was largely a recycling of earlier designs, but the head was completely original. It wore a perpetual scowl that no doubt lived in the nightmares of countless children.
0: As the movie begins, we see a mysterious, inhuman hand reaching over rocks by the ocean. We're soon introduced to the salty lighthouse keeper, Sturgis, played by John Harmon. While on his way into town on his bicycle, he runs into a crowd gathered on the beach. Two local fishermen have been savagely killed, and their decapitated bodies have been drained of blood. This puzzles the town doctor, played by veteran character actor Les Tremaine.
1: Keeper Sturgis arrives at a grocery store to pick up supplies. The storekeeper thinks the deaths of the fishermen are related to the local legends of the monster of Piedras Blancas.
0: You know, we should pay more attention to these legends. we would explain many things that happened in the last 30 years. co check, you're a bigger fool than I thought. Meanwhile,
1: Sturgis's daughter Lucy is cavorting on the beach with her marine biologist boyfriend. Their picnic soon dissolves into smooches in the surf. As Lucy proceeds to go for a skinny dip near the lighthouse, monstrous hands paw her clothes left on the rocks. Needless to say, this all leads to more mayhem and a violent climax at the top of the lighthouse.
0: Besides acting in a string of B-movies with titles like Untamed Youth and Born Reckless, Leading lady Jeannie Carmen was famous as a beauty contest winner and trick-shot golf artist. Carmen's personal life made her most sensational movies seem tame by comparison. Marilyn Monroe was a close pal, and Carmen's circle of friends and admirers over the years included Frank Sinatra, Elvis Presley, and Errol Flynn. When I wrote an article about the monster of Piedras Blancas back in 2002, I was lucky enough to interview Jeannie Carmen on the phone. She told me she turned down a small role in a major Hollywood film to take a larger role in Piedras Blancas. She said that her innocent, sweet character in The Monster of Piedras Blancas was actually closer to her true personality than the parts she usually played. Carmen made a perfect lighthouse keeper's daughter, despite the fact there was no time for research.
1: How many times have I told you not to go swimming on that beach at night alone?
2: Daddy, you wouldn't have wanted me to swim with anybody. I forgot my suit.
0: I don't know what they teach you in college these days, but it certainly isn't modesty.
2: Independence, Daddy. Independence.
0: All I did was learn my lines, she told me. We didn't rehearse, but we got through it.
1: Carmen remembered the movie as a positive experience, but she took her lumps during the filming. In one scene, a character throws an oil can from the top of the lighthouse toward the monster who was carrying Carmen on the beach. The can hit her in the leg before hitting the target and she laughed when she recalled the filming of the supposedly romantic scene in The Rolling Surf with actor Don Sullivan. The water was so cold we couldn't speak, she said, and for some reason Carmen's hair was dyed red for the black-and-white filming, which caused much of it to fall out.
0: A stuntman named Pete Dunn played the monster through most of the production, and the costume was so stifling he could only wear it for half-hour stretches. Carmen remembered that Dunn became ill and had to be replaced for the climactic scenes at The Lighthouse. The lethargic Dunn was replaced by Carmen's press agent, which, according to Carmen, explains why the creature was so much more animated in the final scenes.
1: Character actor John Harmon's portrayal of the keeper is surprisingly believable, and lighthouse buffs will appreciate the emphasis on keeping the light despite personal hardship. And there's a nice scene of Harmon polishing Point Conception's beautiful first-order Fresnel lens. The crew wasn't supposed to film inside the lighthouse, but legend has it that the official assigned to watch over the filming was lured away to a local bar while certain scenes were shot.
0: All in all, the monster of Pietras Blancas was fun for those involved. Quote, nobody got mad, nobody yelled. There was a lot of love on that movie. We had fun together, unquote, said Jeannie Carmen. And despite a bit of black-and-white gore, it's a fun movie that showcases the picturesque Point Conception light station, which is unfortunately off limits to the public. It's no cinematic classic, but the Monster of Piedras Blancas is available on DVD and Blu-ray, and it can also be seen on YouTube. It's worth a look. What did you think of it, Cindy?
1: Well, Jeremy, I actually liked it. It was—I uh, found it pretty entertaining. I would—I would recommend it, but maybe just to people like us that are that are lighthouse buffs.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <music> Time now for our trivia question. The first two people to answer the following question correctly will win prizes. Here is today's question. It's actually a two-part question. What was the name of the keeper who died as a result of the 1755 fire at Eddystone Lighthouse, and how old was he when he died? Again, what was the name of the keeper who died as a result of the 1755 fire at Eddystone Lighthouse, and how old was he when he died?
1: If you listen to all of this edition of Lighthearted, you should know the answer. This time, we're offering two new prizes. The first person to answer correctly gets a copy of the book Lighthouses of America, published in association with the U.S. Lighthouse Society. It's a beautiful 176-page hardcover book featuring stunning photographs of lighthouses across the country taken by society photographers. The second person to answer correctly gets an official U.S. Lighthouse Society passport. The Lighthouse Passport Program provides enthusiasts the opportunity to help preserve lighthouses, as well as a wonderful way to keep a pictorial history of their lighthouse adventures. You can learn more about the Passport Program at uslhs.org.
0: To enter, send your answer in an email to me at jeremy at uslhs.org. Be sure to say you are answering the trivia question in Lighthearted Episode 9. And again, send it in an email to jeremy at uslhs.org. That's jeremy at uslhs.org. And again, the first two people to answer correctly will win prizes. That's it for this edition of Lighthearted. Thank you to the staff of the Exeter Inn.
1: Thanks to all the staff and volunteers of the United States Lighthouse Society, including Maria, Cassandra, Jeff, and everyone in Hansville, Washington.
0: Be sure to check all the information on the USLHS website at uslhs.org, including the new J. Candace Clifford Research Catalog, which is a tremendous resource. Also check out the USLHS social media pages on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Anything you'd like to add, Cindy?
1: Just that folks visiting the seacoast of New Hampshire this season to visit our website at portsmouthharborlighthouse.org to see what's going on in Newcastle, New Hampshire at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse.
0: Good idea. Very special thanks to our guest, Annie C. Harris of Essex Heritage. Check them out online and learn about the tours to Bakers Island Light Station at essexheritage.org. That wraps up another edition of Lighthearted. Until next time, keep Keep a a good good light. light.